You know what? <clears throat> I might just go ahead and start us off. We'll have probably a few more people joining. I, I want to really pause, though, as we go through, because we're missing some key people today. Um, Emily is with Megan, and uh, Jared is in California, Clint, and he's running a marathon. And he's got a goal, I think it was two hours and 17 minutes. I don't remember the exact count, but it was pretty ambitious. And it was like 5.15 a mile. That's really amazing. But um, so um, I know they'll not be joining us today, but the message will be very relevant, um, you know, as we talk about life and how God views it and how we can play a role. You know, I want to thank you for the snacks. Dennis, uh, who's not here today, provided them week one. Rose did last week, and Amay did this week. And if you want to look like me, um, go tangle with that poppy seed bread, because <laughs> it's very addictive. <laughs> so, um, you know, this class, this is week three of five. And this is ministering the truth in love about abortion. You know, I think in this class, often someone that would attend is someone that has a reason to attend. They may have had some experience with it, or they have a conviction of heart that they need to be more involved with it, uh, you know, and to be an instrument in God's kingdom on this issue. Um, so it's interactive. I want to say that because the recording doesn't hear you. It just hears me. So as you ask questions or we went interact, I may repeat a few things. Um, last administrative thing, and this is not my expertise, but if you still, I think everyone in here signed up, but if you haven't, you know, you can do a QR uh, scan, and then there's a lot of resources online. Everything I talk about, uh, I'm going to post online. And um, Molly actually is not here today, and Molly works at the Coalition for Life uh, along with Megan. So uh, they have an upcoming event, and I would just want you to be aware of it, and that's posted online. Um, okay, so I j before we pray, I want to share an insight about prayer, um, because often we just pray and move forward, and we don't realize the magnitude of the power of prayer. Um, 1 John five thirteen to 15, John writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Now that is powerful language. Just a little context because... I think we can often ask and feel disappointed, but we need to notice that we can come with confidence. We can come with confidence, and we can know with certainty that God answers prayer when we come to him. He's going to do that according to his will, and to pray according to God's will is to really pray in accord with what he would want, not what we would desire or insist that he do for us. I'll read a note from MacArthur's study Bible. He said, John specified that answered prayer also depends on obedience to God's commandments and avoidance of sin. Now that's not suggesting sinless perfection, but a full pursuit of God in our lives. And since genuine believers know God's word, um, they will practice those things that are pleasing to him. So they will never insist on their own will, but supremely seek God's desires. So he hears us and 
That is so comforting to know. So uh, let me pray for us today as we begin. Father, we just come to you. We come with confidence. We come with absolute confidence, knowing that you hear us and that according to your will, you will answer us. And Lord, you are here. We are indwelt by the Spirit of God, and we have the presence of Christ even as we speak. So, Father, with confidence, we just ask for comfort for Jared, uh, Megan, Emily, Clint, Dennis, uh, all of the family. Uh, we, we grieve with them. We love them. And we plead for your amazing love to comfort them. And we thank you for the hope that you have given us in Christ. We trust you, Lord. Uh, we rest in your hands. And we pray for Pastor Rich today as he preaches now. And for each person among us. Um, and that each person here, even if they hear one thing... We just pray that we'll walk out of this room closer to Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, we've discussed really with abortion in the country. We live in a culture of death. And um, it's really present and cloaked behind the justification of the sin of abortion. And... You know, that shows up in many ways. Some of the justifications or measures of life can be, you know, when the baby may feel pain, when the baby may be viable. There's a lot of measurements. But ultimately, uh, we need to default to God's view on abortion. And it, uh, there's Molly right there. Molly, you are not late. You're perfect timing. I'm definitely late. No. <laughs> I've, been ta I've been talking about you. I appreciate it. Bragging <laughs> on you. And we just prayed for uh, the uh, family. <clears throat> but, um, you know, you think about with abortion, if you take the Civil War, World War One, World War Two. 50 million deaths. World War I, 20 million deaths. One to two million deaths in the Civil War. You take the Korean War. You take Vietnam. You take the Gulf War. You combine all of the lives lost in those wars, and it, is, it will not equal the number of abortions that have occurred in this country since 1973. We, we are in a, a culture, as I shared before, I had a chance to go to Dachau over in Germany. And uh, it, it was such a graphic experience when I was 18. And I, I, I didn't really know the Lord at that time, but you know, the piles, a room full of hair that was taken from the Jewish people that were killed, teeth, ovens. It was such a graphic situation. I, I left with such a depression and heavy heart, I'll never forget it. But you know what? That is what is occurring in this country. We have to realize that. It's not a political issue, it's a spiritual issue, as we've said. And what's the first way to begin to think in that way we talked about last time? Uh, do you remember, Molly, how we begin to justify this sin? Oh, yeah. Just, uh, by starting to dehumanize. Exactly. Dehumanize the victim. You think of Dred Scott, 25 miles from us. Uh, Supreme Court case. We turned a person who was a slave in the property, no longer a human being, beneath humanity. And when we begin to do that, 
you can see the, the graphic and dangerous nature of it. But we can also see it showing up in other ways. Pastor Jerry, yesterday in his study, talked about a Swedish doctor that was suggesting that you could kill a child up to five days after birth and after, I'm sorry, five years after birth, uh, up to the age of five years old. I looked at the Netherlands and the Dutch, they actually, by law, can uh, take the baby's life after birth if there's a defect. So, you know, these, the rationalization, that, that is not at all beyond us. We're actually headed in that direction. You know, as, as I shared, we look at our president and talk about his age. Uh, I don't agree with him on this issue, but, you know, we need to be careful because the, there will be plans to take those uh, who have lost their usefulness and get rid of them. This is what happened with the Nazis. This has transpired. It, it's something that God wants to help us be a part of uh, making a difference in this part of what's going on. But I'll just read a summary statement here. So America is a nation. We're committed by law and practice to a form of mass murder. That's a fact. And that's, that's the bottom line. This nation which prides itself in humanitarianism is in a cycle of violence that makes the Holocaust look mild by comparison. Two million babies are aborted a year in the United States. Every third baby conceived now is murdered. Among married women, abortions now exceed births. More babies are killed than are born. Some would tell us that there's an abortion about every 15 seconds in the United States. Um, so why are we here? We want to be better enabled to understand the issue and grow in our ability to be more useful instruments. Let me tell you something. Why are girls going to Planned Parenthood instead of the church? We need to think about that question. Yes. That keeps them, and people sometimes believe old people will judge me in church, which is totally wrong. Um, it could be depending on the church, but I think there's this shame that keeps them from coming to the Lord, and it, there's this great chasm. Nancy, I, that's great wisdom. I, I can see that dynamic, how that could occur, particularly, you know, in the community like ours. Um, in a loving church like ours, because we, we fear. We fear the condemnation. But we need to have a culture and an opportunity for those women or men that may be involved to be able to come to us. And, you know, we certainly establish that. We have a statement of faith at New Community that affirms uh, everything that that the Lord would confirm, but at the same time, there is great shame in, in the practice. You know, one of the interesting things, I'll just jump to it, um, there are three primary reasons for abortion that are cited, and the source here is the Guttmacher Institute. Yes. Yes. And from the garden, Satan was trying to snuff out humankind. <laughs> and, uh, and so this is just one more attempt, you know, along with all the wars and, and everything. Right. You know, he, he, he wants to snuff us out. That's and a great so point. We're cooperating you know, yeah. against innocent life. And, I mean, that's, that's dead on perfect. And, you know, the bottom line, 
is um, how can we make a difference? How, what can we do about it? We don't want to be passive, but it's hard to really know how do we help. And um, so one of the things I, I think that is critical that we take away from today um, and this is reality. We can quote the Bible. We need to. Scripture is um, Christ and his word. It is important to understand the reasons people choose to have an abortion because we need to cultivate a heart that genuinely cares for them. We have to care for them. I remember before I knew the Lord, if someone would come at me, there, there could be an eruption. You know, that was such a great offense if somebody would come at me with a message of repentance. Um, but what I could respond to and what I could receive was someone coming alongside me. If I knew they cared about me, if I knew that they, they really had an interest in helping me. I could hear them, but I couldn't hear them otherwise. And I, I think a lot of people are that way. So sometimes, and I, I'm even have to measure myself, I've done a lot of sidewalk counseling through the years. You know, the, the intensity of that environment, we can talk a little bit more but sometimes you have a narrow window of time. You have to be very succinct. There's an opportunity. You can't do it in your own strength. It has to be an act of God. And we have to be prepared for that moment. So I'll talk a little bit later on how we do that. But the top three reasons that women justify, just so you know, and you can empathize with them because these are real concerns. Concern for or responsibility to other individuals. They want their independence. Secondly is the inability to afford raising a child. And third is a belief that having a baby would interfere with their work, school, or the ability to care for dependents. Now, all of these issues are real-life challenges. They're legitimate. These are things the church must be equipped to speak to, step in, address. And um, we must view women through the lens of grace as, as God views us. You know, I, I think back, and we all have different degrees of sin in our past. But I, I was truly an enemy of God at one point. I, I didn't think he loved me. And the fact that he offered grace and kindness and forgiveness to me through reading the Word of God independently, I just fell on my knees. I've never experienced it. He opened my eyes. I had life. I, could, I was free. I was forgiven. I had a clean slate. I had the Holy Spirit within me. I had a new direction in life. I had new desires. I knew Jesus Christ. That fire was burning at peak. I could not put that Bible down. I took it everywhere I went. And that's where we need to be. Uh, on this issue, I need to be there. It, Jesus talks in Revelation about um, looking back to where you were at the beginning. Do the things you did at first. You've lost your first love. You know, do the things you did at first. Remember, do the things you did at first and repeat and repent, of course. But develop a passion for this in these women through the lens of the grace that he gave us. We didn't deserve forgiveness. Jesus paid a price that he didn't know. We received um, a payment that we didn't deserve. He gave everything for us, and we have to love 
these people, even in the gross offense in front of us, just as Christ loved us with that same tenderness and compassion. That's the answer. If you go in this in the flesh, um, you are much less useful than you otherwise could be, certainly from a gospel perspective. They have to see that you care. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They gotta see it, and that's how we can offer it. Let me just uh, quickly read through a few things um, to ground us, and then we'll just talk a lot. But, um, you know, remember, we didn't initiate or activate that first love. He did. Christ did. And we love because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 19. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. I'm going to read it. And this should really ground us, even what pastor is uh, preaching today. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So why is that important? If a young lady has had an abortion, that was talking to Nancy, often in sidewalk counseling, often in other ministries, there's a very aggressive reach to try to intervene to stop an abortion from occurring. Because if you really internalize this emotionally, some, there, there's going to be a death that transpires. And you have one shot when somebody's walking by you. And some people in the flesh can get really carried away with that emotionally. But the, the fact is, how about the girls that come out of the clinic? How about the girls that come out of the clinic that have had an abortion? Do we care for them? This is a message here that tells us we need to love them too. We need to love them just as aggressively. And this is what we need to tell them because the shame, Christ took our shame. He took our guilt. He carried that. He has taken the penalty for our sin when we have committed a sin in life that haunts us and seems to be a burden upon us that we can't shake and we continue to carry that shame, we've got to remember this. Jesus took the shame. He took the grief. He paid the price. He remembers our sins no more. We are set free. We are new creations. And we can move on with life, even though we made some extraordinarily poor decisions. I made many of them. I made many of them that I grieve. I don't want to forget them because it, it gives glory to God, the fact that he forgave such things that I did. But at the same time, I can't be bound by them. I got to be free. And greater is he who is in me and you than he who is in the world. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We may have fear. We may feel fear. We may feel anxiety. I mean, I'll use a football example just because yesterday there were five championship games. But I remember playing and coaching 
and there's great anxiety. If anybody tells you they don't feel it, they don't care. They're not engaged. It's because you're in a life and death mentality. And you're looking across and there's 355-pound guy wants to kill me. You know? <laughs> there's, there's 10 of them or 11 of them. And it's like, uh, stay strong, stay strong. But I'll tell you what happens. As soon as you have the first contact, it's gone. The anxiety disappears because you are engaged. Now you're in the battle. And when you're in the battle and you're walking with Christ and you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you, there, there is no more thinking. There is engagement. There is working for Christ with power in difficult environments. I know that's not a good analogy, but it's, it's a timely one. Um, <laughs> or a metaphor. I, I, I forget some of these things. But so we need to be confident. We need to be confident. And I, I'm just going to read a few reminders from Scripture. There's so many that I could read until the class expired, and that's not what I want to do. But I do want you just quickly to be regrounded so we know where God stands on this issue. This is not debatable. This is not negotiable. This is the Word of God. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Um, Exodus 21, 22-25, when men get in a fight and hit a pregnant woman so that her children are born prematurely, but there's no injury. The one who hit her must be fined as the woman's husband demands from him, and he must pay according to judicial assessment. There's more there I won't read, but the bottom line is it was clear that a pregnant woman, there, there was treated as if there was penalty for two injuries. Psalm 139 this is incredible. I am going to read this, 13 to 16. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous. I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you and when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. I, I think about Megan, and this is a place, Psalm 139, that is so comforting in a situation uh, like has occurred because we know that our omniscient God had a plan. There, there are no accidents. Um, clearly from Scripture, and I'll, I'll touch this. Um, um, I don't know if I can jump to it. I might have to get to it. But bottom line, I have some comments that I wrote down regarding uh, a baby that God has formed that has not reached, uh, you know, successfully been delivered to have life. And uh, God cares, and there's great justification from the Scripture to believe and be confident that they are in the hands of God. And John MacArthur wrote that book. It's very comforting. I'm going to post on the website two sermons that he gave. It focuses on one Psalm 139 in particular, and it is powerful. It's hard to read that and not walk away and have a clear vision that, hey, yes, we're all sinners. We have original sin yet, 
we have to believe. But the babies did not have a chance to believe. And in God's grace, he takes them. There is great justification. And that concept has to be handled with great precision. So I can't do it justice in just a few minutes. But I want you to read those sermons because I think they will impact your thinking and give you confidence. Bruce? Yeah, I was, you said something about the baby didn't have a chance for life. Well, uh, yeah. I, I know you understand it, but yeah. I, that baby did have life. Absolutely. And one of the things that Kempis Hernandez, who spoke at our men's conference, would say about his children, he said, well, we have five children, one in heaven. Mm. And, uh, and they had a miscarriage, I think mm -hmm. it was. And, uh, and I like that. I'd never heard anybody say that. I love that. And it kind of made me think, well, yeah, that's right. Carrie and I have three children, one in heaven, you know, because she had a miscarriage before. That's, Our oldest daughter was born. That, that's, that's a great perspective. Yeah. And, you know, even yeah, I, I remember when Amay was yeah. pregnant, and we had two children, and she was pregnant with the third, and people would say, how many children do you have? I'd say three. You know, one of them isn't born yet. Yeah, but I, just to clarify, I'm talking about life external of the womb. But here, here's some things. I'm just going to give seven statements that really, uh, I think, summarize Scripture. And I, I can't read it all, but I'll post it. Scripture tells us clearly, clearly, life is a gift from God. Jesus taught the Father has life in himself. Um, life begins at conception, without a doubt. I, I can give you a few references. Psalm 139, 13, verse 16. Jeremiah 1.5. Uh, medical science concurs. I've talked to hundreds of doctors about this. I used to be in the sales business, and it's clear. You know, life begins at conception. Human life bears the image of God. Uh, scripture confirms this. It's a gift. Human life's unique. And that he man, made man in his own image and likeness. The innocent should be protected, taken up the cause of the innocent and those who cannot fend for themselves is a common theme in Scripture. And I'll give you about four references you can pull down um, on the site. Another, what's that? Um, the innocent should be protected. And, um, God has plans for each individual. God told the prophet Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you, before I formed you in your mother's womb. Um, everyone has a right to live. Life is a gift from God. No one else is entitled to take life away. It, it is the Lord who gives life and the Lord who takes away. Look at Job 121. That's just one quick reference. Um, another point, what God thinks is most important. He is our calibration. It's not about a debate on Fox News when somebody is saying that all the way to uh, the point of delivery, we can have uh, intervention of abortion it's the mother's conscience with her doctor. And then six weeks, which is a wonderful and refreshing contrast to what we would hear, you know, when someone believes in partial birth abortion. But at the same time, remember, God has told us what he thinks is most important. And he has told us life begins at conception. And we have to deal with that in our conscience. We have to deal with that. There's, there's a lot of information. I mean, there's a lot of pharmaceutical abortion that occurs, an enormous amount. It's not even discussed. I've read many studies. Um, you know, a lot of drugs, quite frankly, they create a hostile environment 
in the uterine wall where that fertilized egg cannot implant. You know, we have to be careful what we take and we have to be knowledgeable and people will not tell you oftentimes where we have to independently learn these things. But, you know, um, I just want to tell you, God gives different gifts to different people for the, to edify the church, but we all have gifts. In any situation that we get in, we can handle. When we're walking in Christ, I don't care what comes up, what hits me. Doesn't matter where I am, doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter who it is, I'm going to handle it. Not in my own strength, but God has equipped me to do that, and he's equipped you to do that. We have to step out in confidence, and you have to know who you are, who is in you, and that you have a role in this plan. We cannot be passive. Let's just talk briefly about some things that we can do. And this is where I'll just trust the discussion more or less for the rest of our time. But I'll give an overview. And Nancy, I want to hear from you for sure, because I know you have some things we were talking about. But so guiding principles. And, and a lot of this is just me. You can take it. You can leave it. Uh, I think you should at least evaluate it. Uh, some things I've learned. Do not come at people. Come alongside people. You'll see people on the sidewalk. You'll see nuns praying the rosary. You know, we don't align in beliefs with that, but it's an opportunity. We have to be a beacon of light wherever we go. You know, hey, thank you for coming out here. It, this really shows that you care, that you care. Tell me what you're doing. How, how you doing, you know? Get to know people. Interact with people. I, I've, I've done a, all the wrong things before. Oftentimes, uh, making mistakes is a great teacher. But I've been enthusiastic. I have hit people so hard with messages where I could talk and slice and dice anything that came out of their mouth and you know what? They were closed. They were closed. But talk to that person on the sidewalk. Um, you know, I had, I've had guards. You know, when someone pulls up to an abortion clinic, they're escorts. And those escorts are instructed, you get to that car as quickly as possible before anybody else can get there. And these are not necessarily kind gentlemen. Um, I, I had one of them, and this was when I was less mature in my faith. He threatened me, you know, and I, I had no fear about that. I, I let him know that he was welcome to take any action that he thought he could. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think today I would tell him, Hey, man, um, I'm here for Jesus. I love you. Do what you got to do. I'm right here. You know, we have to stay within our boundaries. We have to know the boundaries. We got to know the environment we're in. I, I may have shared, I knocked on a guy's window one time very gently, and this guy, <laughs> after the fact, I learned that he was a cage fighter. And um, he's a good friend of mine right now. But I knocked on his window, and he was there with his girlfriend, and he rolled it down. Get out of my face. I don't want to hear anything you got to say. Put his window up, and the guard was coming. I saw him approaching, and I, I knocked again. And this is a very effective technique for me. You know, we have to use what we're comfortable with. But I told him, I said, look, I have a really important message. I'm for you, man. I respect you. I'm here because I care. And we have a solution that can really help you and your girlfriend. Can you give me 60 seconds? 
And he goes, go. And I talked for about 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, invite them to welcome, you know, align with them. And, and, and at the same time, ask permission if you can. And then once they give you permission, let the Lord lead it from there. He tells me that I was the best man in his wedding. They didn't have the abortion. And I'll give you another key reason why, but he told me, he said, you just wouldn't shut up. <laughs> you know. And, but I was offering them on site. That there was an um, um, ultrasound, amazed my memory. Um, <laughs> I tell you, <laughs> but there was an ultrasound that was available. Now there is a statistically, Molly, you may know better than I. It's very high that if a girl sees the ultrasound, they will not go through with the abortion. One of the purposes, uh, great caveats of Planned Parenthood and abortion clinics. They have to do an ultrasound because they have to understand how far along this baby is. They have to understand, you know, that by law they have to get all of the, the parts. And there's actually a market. for They collect these parts of babies and they sell them. And it's just unbelievable the depth of depravity in this. But... They have to do an ultrasound. They will not show that to those girls. Because if a girl sees that ultrasound, God often opens their eyes and changes their heart. And it, at least from a, perhaps they're not born again or hearing the gospel, but there is a part in us that when they see that child, their perspective changes. So... That is a great tool. Um, you know, uh, Molly works for um, Coalition for Life. Um, I like the charades game. <laughs> you wouldn't believe. Amaze a computer. I, I have lots of ideas, but, um, but the bottom line, um, that's a tool that you want to get involved with and engaged with. And I did post, Molly, the opportunity for sidewalk counseling that you sent out. I posted it on the resources. And uh, we actually have some things for you. The bottom, go ahead, Bruce. Oh, no, but say your bottom line. I don't want to interrupt you. No, I mean, the, the bottom line, those are some, you know, things I'll just say, in that environment, you must anticipate, you got to adapt, improvise, and overcome. You have to anticipate. You have to read the, understand the rules. You got to be able to navigate within the boundaries of the law. And you have to be prayerful that God will give you an opportunity. And when that opportunity arrives, you got to be as prepared as you can be. Some things are unpredictable. I had a girl turn to me one time, and I, I said, I have a message of hope for you. Would you give me just a few seconds to tell you? And she was young, and boy, I, I've never had a young lady talk to me like she did. Uh, but she was very aggressive and not far from my face. And she said, are you going to pay for this? Um, you know, she used some expletives. And I said, yes, I will. Whatever it costs, whatever that baby needs, if you decide not to have this abortion, I'll pay for everything. I didn't know how I was going to pay for it, but I was going to pay for it. And sometimes that would even be something I'd come to the elders with. You know, what can we help here? You know, we have a fund here for, for situations when people can't help themselves, you know. 
And um, so their resources, I mean, again, Molly knows and can help us more as we go, but there are resources available that there are diapers, there is baby formula, there are links to adoption services. There are many, many resources through Coalition of Life. Um, Molly and Megan works there as well, um, do events to get the messages out. We have one in July coming up. We'd love a lot of people to come. So. When, when is that, <laughs> I'll Molly? I'll pull it up. I have, I have the date. And Bruce, I'm sorry. I'm going to get right back to you. Interject it once I pull it up on my calendar. You can okay, Bruce. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I love what you're saying about coming alongside people, not coming at people in that. And, you know, I think the, the problem, one of the problems sometimes in the pro life movement, at least among some people in the pro life movement, especially those that are talking heads sometimes on TV or politicians, even, is, you know, they dehumanize the mother. Mm. Okay. Um, yes. They, they don't recognize her humanity. Yes. Just as the, you know, the pro-abortion side will dehumanize that baby mm. and want it to mothers to see the ultrasound, for example. Why is that? Because all of a sudden it's pretty apparent that's a little human being. Mm. And uh, and so, but when we approach the mothers, I think you're hitting on something that's really important. It's not helpful to come at them or stick a jar with a, a fetus in it in their face or something like that. I mean, this is a woman that's going through a crisis. Yes. And, uh, and to come alongside them and be talking to them, I think it's so important. Yeah. They're just, they're just not an object. You <laughs> know, something you don't want or like. Or, I was on the other side of the river one morning, and there was a preacher there. And look, we love the Word of God. That's our life. That's our hope. But his approach was to take the Word of God and he just read it aloud for an hour at the top of his voice as these girls were coming in. And my thinking was, can God use that? Absolutely he can use that. But did it appear to be something that he was using in the moment? Not so much, because there wasn't any personal engagement. There wasn't an opportunity to talk to someone. It, was, it can often be perceived as talking at someone, even using the holy word of God. So. You know, the gentleness aspect of it is important. Um, Nancy, you wanted to share some things. I asked you to share something. <laughs> but I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> oh, Nancy, you want to snap. I've not been on the side of let's stop the abortion. That's not where God has had me. And I really haven't been on the after, right after the abortion ministry what God has had me in the lives of women that I've known years later that is on their mind, years later that has affected their lives. Years later, they were like, well, I'm born again, but they can't quite give that to God. They can't quite believe that he forgives because mm. I've taken a life of my own child. Mm. Uh, I've seen women, well, one woman in particular, she was infertile mm -hmm. after having an abortion. Mm -hmm. So that was something she was carrying around. And this stuff affects every avenue of a woman's life and a man's. Um, one of my son's girlfriends got pregnant and she had an abortion and didn't tell him. And it destroyed him. And it's been 10 years maybe. He's not a believer. He still carries that around. That his child was murdered by this girl that he loved. Um, so it's not, yes, we want to stop the abortion. Because we can stop it. We have this little life and we are, um, you know, we don't have to deal with post-abortion. But... Um, 
that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. And I am somebody that I try to do more than, hi, how are you? I'm Nancy. I really try to remember from week to week to speak to that person mm -hmm. and try to develop a relationship. Because I don't know what's going to come out. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know what baggage people are carrying around. Um, I did know one lady that she was in the, the hospital having, uh, that I worked with, having a miscarriage is what I was told. And I went to visit her in the hospital and she was actually having an abortion. She was pretty far along. And I wasn't a believer and that blew my mind away that a woman could, could do that. Um, so I think it's important, as uh, Patty said, relationship, relationship. And you don't have moments other than compassion and love right before right. the type of ministry you are involved in, you are involved in. But we need to have to stay in the Word of God. We have to. And, and studying and prayer, because if not, we go out there on our own. And when Nancy goes out there and does something on her own, it's usually turned out that great, you know? Right. And it, I'm more prone, if I don't stay in prayer and in the Word of God, to totally miss these opportunities. And not that I don't. So many times I go home and I'm like, hmm. wow, that was right, that door was right there and I missed it. You know what? I've, I've blown it hundreds of times. But, but thankfully, God's grace, even despite me, mm -hmm. when I come up short in, in what I need to do, mm -hmm. um, He does. Mm -hmm. and, and often in life, uh, some of the most efficacious moments are things that you think didn't go well. Yeah, I've had yeah. things come back to me and I'm like, well, that made somebody, hey, that made a difference in yeah. my whole life because you spent a few moments with me. That is such a great, yeah. great series of points, Nancy. Karen? Talking about the caring for the individual and that, um, I wish that everybody could see the heart of the elders, yes. yeah. included, mm -hmm. because it kind of like what you were saying, the shame, if they knew the depth of care that's there. Bruce was, before Doug did it all, was teaching a class about what the church believes, and it addresses abortion. And we got to talking about it afterwards and that, and um, kind of came to the conclusion that um, that's good that they know where we stand on abortion, but how many people sitting in that group may have had an abortion, and we need to know that, that we love them, and that's available for them. And you, Whenever Bruce teaches, I, I'm sure Doug has probably done it a long time ago, but he always adds that to this what the church, the statement of faith. And I yes. just think that um, if people knew the heart of the elders, I think that they would um, not have a problem following your guidance. You know what? It, it, it's such a great point. So few churches actually post. You know, we have not only a statement of faith, but a very specific statement around abortion, life, all these things I've talked about. And I think that was crafted a number of years ago. And I remember might even have been a part of that. But the bottom line is we have a very bold statement of faith. And that is a good step. I know the heart of our elders. I know every one of those men just from past capacities when I've seen them, you know, show great mercy and kindness. And somebody that might be hearing this message, even if it's in the future, um, because this is being recorded, you know, I want them to know that our elders are a trusted resource, people that we can trust, and our elders' wives. This is a place that we don't wait until um, it's too late, but we cultivate that opportunity early so that we can get the help we need and wisdom and guidance, get them involved. And yes, there is accountability, and yes, 
there is with God too. You know, he deals with me. If I get off track on a daily basis, there's consequences. Uh, hey, you know, I get consequences all the time. And then I turn back and, hey, greater is he that is in me than he who's in the world. You know, and I, I get refocused on Scripture and we, we get a fresh start. But, con, you know, we have accountability. But it helps us. This is Scott, I believe. Is this Scott? Good morning, man. <laughs> Good to see you. Um, just in time. And um, so, so, look, there's adoption assistance. Um, there's foster care. There, there are more resources than I know there are. Um, ultimately, there's a lot of help available. Clint made a great point last week that at the very least, we can all pray. That's why I took that time up front to say we can come to the throne of grace with confidence and assurance that God will hear us. Now, that's a promise. A promise is only as good as the credibility of the person making it. That's a promise from Almighty God that we can come to the throne of grace. And it may not work out our way, but you know what? It's going to work out His way. And that's the way we want it to work out ultimately when we're submitted to Him. Um, so we have a few minutes left. I just want to open it up. Molly, did you find that date? I, I did. I did get the date. So on Tuesday, July 23rd, I'm imagining it's going to be 5 or 6 o'clock because it's always a dinner. We will have a gala, and it's going to be at Greensfelder Recreation Complex, which is in Baldwin. It's pretty convenient. But it's always like our time of basically we like we have a speaker. I heard we got Babylon B this year, which should be pretty cool. Um, oh. We, we always show like videos. Yeah, be very entertaining. Yes, so we'll have that. And then we, we always have videos of like the work we're doing. And it's just a chance to mingle with other pro-life people and hear what we're doing and come alongside and support Coalition Life. So it's always a good time. And I, I get to be one of the main people throwing it. So I always appreciate seeing some NCC-friendly faces. It kind of calms my nerves. So That's a beautiful um, place. Yeah. Yeah, so we'd love to have, last year we had two tables of NCC folks, and I'd love to see even more, because to me it's, obviously the financial support is great, but my heart is kind of, I think it's a little sobering to see how many Catholics are very, very out there doing pro-life work, and sometimes there's not a lot of Protestants, and that makes me sad to be like, you know, we have gospel truth, like we should be out there talking to these, you know, struggling individuals and showing them the love of Christ, because we stand by the gospel in its entirety, and so that's that's a little bit of a hard thing to grasp sometimes is that there is a bit of a Protestant absence in pro-life work that, from what I'm seeing. That's an excellent point, and one we need to take to heart. Why aren't we out there? You know, this isn't a good analogy, but, you know, sometimes it is what I think. But I was a sales manager for 25 years. And one of the things I said every day, you got to be present to win. You got to show up. If you don't show up, nothing's going to get sold. Now, now that's worldly thinking and talk, but, but that's re reality too. We can pray, but we do have to show up. And it's hard to show up because you got to get out there early. You got to make sacrifices. It's raining, it's snowing. It's hostile, it's ugly, it's depressing at times, but we gotta be a beacon of light. And, you know, thank you for speaking to that opportunity. And that's July 23rd. July 23rd, Tuesday, July 23rd. Normally we eat by like six, so I think the doors open at like five. And is that what you do with your job? That's my job is, yes, throwing events. So, And then the neat thing is, you know, getting to work with my dear friend Megan, you know, a lot of the funds that are raised go directly towards the department she works for. That is kind of our two biggest departments, our sidewalk counseling that are trying to prevent women from getting abortions. And then our Women's Care Connect department is kind of, when the woman is kind of on the fence, it's kind of trying to understand, like, what is making you think that abortion is the answer and trying to steer her towards 
Well, we have utility assistance programs. We have, you know, parent education classes. Just trying to figure out what are your fears that are making you think that abortion is. And that's what Maggie does. That's what Maggie does. And you do the, okay. Yeah, so, that's neat. yeah. That's really neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we would love to see some NCC friendly faces out there. <laughs> Tell you what, it's so great. And I know all of our elders are teaching or involved in different ministries on Sunday mornings. But I just want to thank Bruce and Karen for being in here today because you're, you're hearing something perhaps where there's going to be new opportunities. You know, you're, you're hearing about a need. If we're able to affect abortions and girls aren't killing two million babies, where are they going? How are they being adopted? How's the church caring for them? What are we doing? How are we training people on this issue? How are we talking to people? How are we living that mission that we post? We love and we're living it, but the fact that you're here and able to engage in this conversation, I think brings just heightened awareness to you know, the, the critical timing of this and opportunity for the church. So anything we can do to interact, to help the elders, you know, I, I want to be available for that. Look, we have just a couple more minutes. So um, speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> Any? I'll make a quick comment. Um, just this past week, you know, I sat and talked with Megan at different times. And despite, you know, the pain of, of going through this event, she's, uh, she's really looking and seeing where God is able to use this and, and maybe give her opportunities to minister to others. And one of the things she said this week, and I'll share it because I don't think she would care. It wasn't a private conversation, but it certainly made me think. Uh, Megan, <clears throat> Megan is not... Um, an indignant person, never really has been. Even as a little girl, she was always just very easygoing. But so I know when she gets a little flustered, it probably is something important. And one of the things that she said was, I don't like how they keep referring to my baby as the fetal tissue. Mm. They need to know that this is my baby. Mm. And I said, well, I think they're just kind of probably speaking in medical terminology. They're doing their job. They're doing this. And she said, it doesn't matter. They need to understand this. <laughs> go, go Megan. Yeah. And I said, you're right, Megan. And if you have an opportunity to lovingly kind of present that, maybe they do need to hear that. Because maybe it is all too transactional in their mind. And maybe there needs to be more focus on this is a person. This is a baby. And I said, but think about how wonderfully you'll be able to minister to these other young women now that you've experienced you know, this emotion and you can relate to them differently. And, and she sees that. She's really looking to see where God is working through this. And I'm, I'm proud of her. And, and from Jared's perspective, well, he hit a home run as a son. son oh, yeah. mm. <laughs> he's just, <laughs> he's awesome. That's as fine a man as there is. God, we love them both, and we grieve, but we learn too, and we have hope. And we come to our master, and we're heard. You know, I'll just close it up this way and just summarize it. I think today we, we uh, covered a lot of material. God has an opinion. We must respond. We must figure out how do we take a step. There's no such thing as this isn't my gift. Let me tell you something. We're a new creation. We have the Holy Spirit living, indwelling us. We have the presence of Christ in the Father we are equipped. If that's all we have, if we don't have a lot of knowledge or experience or haven't been in the trenches or don't have any war stories, it doesn't matter. We have everything. When you walk out of this room, you're now better equipped to minister and be available to God's people in the body of Christ. And you're also better equipped 
to talk to people outside of the body of Christ with the compassion. And the women who have had abortions in this church, and I know there are some, there must be. I don't know anyone, but I'm saying there must be in a church this large. Uh, the reality is we need to be open. We need to put our, I don't put my arms around them. You ladies can do that. <laughs> but we, we, as a church, metaphorically, we need to put our arms around them and show them how much Christ loved us and forgave us when we didn't deserve it and that his payment for our sin is not incomplete. Jesus doesn't come up 99%. He doesn't come up 95%. He comes up 100% every time. Every sin is paid in full. So we walk out with that confidence. Thank you so much for the time being here, caring about this, and I hope we walk out closer to Christ. Thank you.